think there's one thing we can all agree on Tom Brady Everyone's tired of seeing you win Tom Brady And the stupid dimple on your chin FYT Brady We are Fix This Shit Rich. I'm one of your hosts, Gary Grant. And it's Mark Dempsey here as well. How are you doing in uh, in Reno, Gary, as we speak? In, in snowy, cold Reno. It's uh, it's good. I'm, I've am i been here for over a week now, and I'll be here for a couple more weeks doing some work. But it's, it's nice to see some more uh, seasons. I'll be over on your time zone as of the middle of next week. As you know, I've got this big trip coming to the US. So the, the last couple of podcasts for this season that we do... We'll be on the same time zone. Might even be sitting in the same room together. Who, kn- who knows? We who can knows? Make that. A little bit of a different format today. Uh, Gary, you've had your head down in some work for the last few days. So I've, uh, I've kind of put together some questions. Let's kick off with, hey, 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 look, let's keep it super simple. Do you even want to review the Washington game? Do you have a, a quick thought on that? Or do you just want to? We played it like a preseason game, and I don't know why we would do that. If we were going to play it like a preseason game, why did they bother putting starters on the field? Offense was extremely vanilla. The defense was extremely vanilla. If they were going to do that, they should have just rested key players, Micah Parsons especially. They should have rested key players. And the only thing that I could figure is maybe – I've seen a few notes about this on Twitter – that maybe McCarthy realized that this team bounces back from losses really well. And he just wanted to sort of do the reset because this season, the pattern has been take a loss, win four in a row, take a loss, win two in a row, take a loss, win four in a row, take a loss, win two in a row. Well, this last loss means if the pattern holds up, you get four in a row and four in a row would be a Super Bowl. I'm not saying this is the Super Bowl run, but maybe McCarthy looks at this team and says, we're a roller coaster. We're up and down all over the place. And best thing that we can do is be ugly in this last game because that gets in the players' heads. I don't know. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. That's hey, if if that was an active decision to do that, that's genius. I hope it plays off. We're hearing comments from most of the players about this this last week being the best week of practice they've had, the most fired up that they've been. The fact that they're just unwilling to ever look like that again. That's a that's a bold strategy, Cotton. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. I would say, uh, <laughs> in, in response to whether or not McCarthy tried to do that, uh, I'd add one thing. I think you hit the nail on the head. I'd add one thing. I, I thought that the play calling on offense was was almost designed to fail. It was designed to simply not put anything recent on tape that, that the Bucks or anyone else in the playoffs could look at and use... It was as simple as simple vanilla. You've used that word. Everything seems to stem to they had no real intention to go out and win that game. Micah Parsons particularly should have been rested. I I wonder if this is one of those areas, frankly, where the Joneses were in the media saying, we're going to play the starters. This is serious. We want the number one seed, all of that. And and frankly, Mike felt like he was almost instructed to play all the the starters um, and maybe tried to get the balance of, 
played them to appease the Joneses and made sure there was no way they were going to win. Um, sure. Look, I'm I'm a, I'm at peace with the five seed, and we'll come on to what that means uh, shortly. But hey, look, let's think back on the season uh, and this next quick section. Two highlights each from the season gone. It doesn't have to be results. Doesn't have to be big plays, right? What's your two highlights? What would you say have just really jumped out at you? So my first highlight is Brett Maher. He had a rough go his first year here, which was his rookie year. I think he was just adjusting, adjusting to the NFL. And he had some bad misses. He was inconsistent. But they brought him back, and he's been fantastic. So my first highlight is, is Brett Maher. Second highlight, this Cowboys rookie class is fantastic. Yeah. I mean, fantastic. And they'll be they will have good players on this team from this class for years to come. Tyler Smith is better than anybody thought he was going to be. Sam Williams is better than anybody thought he was going to be. Jake Ferguson's probably our number one tight end right now. Sure. Uh, at least, you know, I know he's not getting played that way, but the other one is all about money because Ferguson is flat out he's better. Ron Bland is going to make everybody forget what happened in the second round a couple of years ago in the draft. Because Kelvin Joseph may not be able to do anything on this team, and he was a second-round pick, and you sort of on that. Deron Bland looks like he is going to be a very, very good player for years to come, and you got him for next to nothing. Clark was an absolute steal. I still yeah. believe Matt Willetsko, when healthy, is going to be able to help us. I still believe Devin Harper can, at a minimum, be a very good backup and special teams player, and – I haven't given up on Jalen Tolbert. I know this rookie year has been absolute disaster for him, but small school, maybe he just takes a little longer than everybody else. And those are just the players that were drafted. That doesn't even mention Peyton Hendershot and Malik Davis, who I think both have futures with this team as well. So the the rookie class is an absolute monster highlight. Yeah. You've hit the nail on the head there. Jalen Tolbert's going to be interesting. I, I, unless there's something deeply worrying that he's going through maybe personally. I don't think there's any way he gets cut. I think he makes it back into training camp. Let's see when we're talking in August, September about whether or not Jalen Tolbert has stepped up. But from this last couple of drafts, you're, you're absolutely right. This one particularly, it, it's just the, the Cowboys drafting superbly well and the undrafted free agents. I, I, lo- I love that point, Gary. And uh, glad to hear you mention Hendershot as well, who's uh, going to go from strength to strength. So look, I, I took a slightly different approach. There's uh, a couple of highlights for me both particularly now we get to the end of the season, and I think about the the journey that that this team has been on, right? Th- think about week one, week two, week three. What were you and I talking about? We were talking about penalties. We were talking about fire anyone who's got anything to do with the offensive line. We, we were talking about uh, significant inconsistencies in terms of drops, in terms of uh, route running, in terms of play calling. Now, that's all you know, touch wood as we, as we kind of 48 hours away from playing the Bucks. But that that's all been resolved, and you have to give huge uh, kudos to the to the whole coaching staff, head coach, coordinators, all all of the assistants, and to the players because the penalties, uh, the the play calling, the execution was absolutely shocking. Those like kind of weeks one through six, seven, all any anyone was talking about. No one's any longer talking about penalties. No one's any longer talking about um, the the inconsistencies on the offensive line. Credit to Philbin and his team. No one's any longer talking about the the, the aggressive uh, play calling or the creative play calling. 
the Washington game aside, of course, as, as we've covered. I give that credit to all of the coaching staff, the head coach, all the way down. They've dealt with those issues. And as we head into the playoffs, that gives me some positivity, if you like, in terms of can, can we keep that momentum up? The, se- the second one I'm going to give you, again, this is kind of more of a journey than, a, than, than one specific thing or result. And that's CeeDee Lamb. Man, the first five, six, seven games, everyone was saying, is, is he really a wide receiver one? Like He looks like he's behind quite a few of the wide receivers in that draft class and, and, and the last couple of years. Is he really trustworthy? I think probably this last 10 games, he's, he's wide receiver one on our team. He's an absolute top wide receiver set threat in the NFC, in the whole NFL. Um, his numbers are there. His yards after the catch are there. His separation is there. His uh, toughness is there. Winning the contested catches, getting open. And, and and as well as all of that, now being a decoy, you watch the number of times that C.D. Lamb is double marked. Or if it looks like there's only one on him, you can see for sure there's a Sam linebacker or a safety trending towards him. Right, So he's, he's double covered. They're leaning towards C.D. Lamb. Uh, in all of the games we play. So that's that to me is a huge positive. Let's flip that round. What what's your biggest low light, let's call it, your biggest negative from this uh from this season? It just comes down to inconsistency. I the roller coaster that this team will put you on, you know, they could take a a win against Minnesota where they walk into into Minnesota against one of the best teams in the NFL per the record. And we're not talking they weren't three and oh, you know, they this was later in the season. They had played a lot of games and they walk into their house and just destroy them. Everything is right. And then you have other games where, and, and I won't even talk about the Washington game because I don't think that they were putting their best foot forward there. Yeah, There have been plenty of games this year that you really you wonder what's going on because the offense doesn't show up at all. They can't run the ball. They can't throw the ball. They can't protect deck. They're dropping passes. They're committing penalties. The defense is horrible. They can't get past backup linemen. Uh, and we're one of the best pass rushing defenses in the NFL. And there are times when we'll be playing. We played games where, where both of the offensive tackles for the other team were out. And we had two. So at a minimum, you were facing tackles three and four. And, and there was zero pressure. Just horrible. So it's the inconsistency. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know where it comes from. But if this team ever learned to iron that out a little bit, and everybody has bad games, but I don't know why we have them collected. You know, it's okay for Michael Parsons to have a bad game where he just doesn't get any pressures or anything else. But why does the whole defense have to have a bad game? Why does the whole offense have to have a bad game all at once? I don't understand the inconsistencies, but that's what drives me nuts about this team. I picked almost exactly the same word and I've kind of pinpointed it a bit more. My my, my biggest low light, uh, and it's interesting how this whole season has been a roller coaster, right? Because I've I've literally just five minutes ago said about, hey, look at the positives, look at how we've reacted, look at how we've fixed penalties, look at how we've adapted and got better. But but I go back to that word inconsistencies and I, and I specifically go back to the inconsistencies with Mike McCarthy, the head coach. I look specifically at... Several times now, he's mentioned there hasn't been a great week of practice. He did it after the Washington game. Two or three other references to that. I'm, I get concerned about whether or not he's really fully, fully invested in 
creating an incredible culture. Look at what Dan Campbell has just done at the Lions. The, the Lions missed the playoffs because of a, 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 a Seahawks field goal. I mean, that's what it came down to, right? The Lions missed the playoffs because of a Seahawks field goal. I mean, look at the culture that Dan Campbell has got there. Can you, can you, can you say, can anyone say Mike McCarthy creates a culture that you can name and identify and the players stand by? I, I'm not sure there is. I think there is sometimes, but I'm not sure there is. Sometimes we've heard about Mike McCarthy jumping onto the headset and guiding Kellen. Other times he's woefully quiet about that and seemingly almost retracted away from the game. It's that kind of thing which just gives me, it gives Gary, it gives me just real pause. About McCarthy, what you're saying right now, it sounds like the narratives that came out of Green Bay. I mean, Green Bay was good every year. What McCarthy didn't get fired because they were going, you know, eight and eight every year and, and only occasionally making the playoffs. They were always good. They were always good. And yet they got to the point where they're like, we have to get rid of this guy and go another direction if we want to win. And he won a Super Bowl with them. And they still got right. to. Here's the biggie for me. And we'll come on to picks and that kind of thing in a moment. I, I've been doing a lot of thinking about it this week. You know, I've, I've referenced on our podcast, taking the dog for a walk, an hour to clear the head, walking some fields, mull over the state of, the, of, of Cowboys Nation. And it would be crazy, crazy to fire a coach that's gone 12 and 5 back-to-back seasons. One's a, one's a division win. One, okay, is a, is a second place because uh, the Eagles have been a couple of games better. We're in the playoffs two straight years. You know the numbers. Everyone knows the numbers. This hasn't happened for decades. Back-to-back 12 win seasons hasn't happened for decades. It would be crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. You're crazy. I like you. <laughs> to go to Tampa and lose against the greatest quarterback of all time, although he's on a pretty poor team, and fire Mike McCarthy, right? It'd be crazy. It'd be crazy. But you got to balance that. The NFL teaches us this lesson, right? That two seemingly contradictory statements can both be true at the same time. We have to then look at that and go: We roll into Tampa Bay and lose to what is fundamentally a losing football team. They've gone eight and nine. That Tampa Bay team is nothing, nothing like the team that won the Super Bowl. It's just not. If we go in and we lose for the second straight year, you have to fire him because then you have to say, this isn't good enough. This is the trend. So where, where are you with this? Let's hypo- hypothesize for a moment we lose at Tampa Bay. Do you, want where my are you, take on, you want my take on if I'm Jerry Jones or you want my take on what I think Jerry's going to do? Uh, well, give, give me both. I don't, think, I don't think there's any way Jerry fires him. I don't yeah. think it matters. I don't think it matters what happens against Tampa Bay, even a blowout loss, which I don't believe. But even a blowout loss, I don't think he he fires Mike McCarthy. I, I believe Jerry has this thing where he loves to zig when everybody else wants to zag, and he also has this deal where, at one point, and I believe it goes back to Chan Gailey. He believes he fired Chan Gailey too soon. I don't think he did. He never should have hired him to begin with. He thinks right. he fired Chan Gailey too soon. And ever since then, he has exercised overpatience with everything. He overpatient yep. with Jason Garrett. He waited too long with Jason Garrett. Um, and I believe that even if in his deep in his mind, he believes eventually he's going to have to fire Mike McCarthy, which I've said this a hundred times. I'm not going to go off on the rant because the rant can last 20 minutes, but he's hired to be fired. They all are. 
Eula. Coach that thinks otherwise is insane, and I don't know how I became a coach to begin with. You're hired to be fired. So the question is, how are you going to do things? I'm going to do them my way and get fired, or I'm going to do them your way and get fired. That'll never happen, right? You have to do them your way. And I don't know that Mike McCarthy is doing that. I think he's, I think he's allowing the front office to push him around a little bit, and he shouldn't because you're hired to be fired. So what I would do as Jerry Jones, I absolutely would tell him, hey, Mike, that's not a good football team over there. If you can't beat this team with what we've got, we're going to have to take a look around, buddy. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. And yeah. I, I might even tell him ahead of time, which would piss him off, and he might leave here in a huff when his contract is up or whatever. I can live with that. I really can. Because if you can't stand the pressure of me telling you that you need to win this wild card game against a, a sub-500 team, how the hell are you going to deal with the pressure of a Super Bowl? I've always yep. believed that about coaches and I believe it about players. When people say that's too much pressure, you can't put that much pressure on a player. Why? What do you think the Super Bowl is going to be like? He can't handle this. He can't handle that. I don't think Jerry will fire him. I probably would. Yeah, I, I've probably landed on exactly the same spot. I, I think consistency is an underrated benefit in the NFL. Um, I think consistency of the 53 consistency of players bringing back your own players and developing them i think is underrated i think coaches are far too quick to move on uh, owners are far too quick to move on from gms far too quick to move on from head coaches as a general rule i like the benefit and the stability that consistency brings you and like i say it, it, it it's maddening to have to think about firing a head coach that's won 24 out of 30 games and got us to the playoffs two years in a row i'm with you Short of some kind of crazy phenomenon of a monsoon in Tampa Bay or Dak goes down injured in the first quarter, we, we lose, I would fire Dan. I don't think Jerry will. So I think we're both in the same place. So look, hey, this brings us on to picks. What's happening against Tampa Bay, mate? What, what do you see? I think this game is a replay of last year's opener. I think the team will play pretty well. I think they'll have a late lead, but they'll leave too much time on the clock. And Brady has enough mojo to, to summon a two-minute drive against anybody. He did that at the end of this season several times to, for them to get into the playoffs to begin with. And it's not like he's devoid of weapons. The offensive line might not be very good, but those wide receivers are. I I think it's going to be a close one, but I think it's going to be a loss. So I, I think we lose a close one. If it's close, I think Brady has the tiebreaker, right? And I've gone backwards and forwards on this in the last three or four days. I'm I'm going to say this. I think we win. I think we win because of a few things in our favor. Tampa Bay is not a scary stadium to go to. It's got no crazy home field advantage. It's going to be 50% Cowboys fans. Barring some astronomical phenomenon. I mean, meteorological phenomenon, <laughs> by the way. It's going to be a fairly nice day in Tampa Bay. Right, it's not like trying to go and play in Green Bay in the in the snow. It's not like trying to go and play indoors in New Orleans or Minnesota, where the fans just drive you mad for three hours. Right, I think that's in our favor. I think Mike McCarthy is the better head coach. I think we have the better coaching staff. I think if we play Tom Brady, the legend, we are screwed. I think if we play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who are eight and nine, and I like John Machota's line. 
uh, he's been saying this last couple of weeks. Tampa Bay puts about 10 or 12 minutes of good football together in any given game at the moment. I, I think we win. I think the only way we win is that we win big, is that we go out with a super, super aggressive strategy, is that we go out to dominate this game and leave Tom Brady no chance of a fourth quarter comeback that, that kills the spirit of the team. I, I'm going to say we win 34-17. All right. So you say tight loss. I say I agree with you. If the game stays tight, we lose it. I, I think they come out with a super, super aggressive strategy and uh, and win it. So you, you don't think Dallas are progressing any further. I think they're progressing further. I'll, I'll call this. I think the top three, I, I think the top two and the, I mean, seed two and seed three win, which means that we would get the Eagles. We go to the Eagles, having just beaten Tom Brady, we will go and beat the Eagles. That's my prediction. And then we lose to the 49ers in the championship game. And every fan of the Cowboys around the world should cheer a spectacular season. I know we haven't made it to the Super Bowl, but that would be spectacular. That would be the progress which reassures me we can go and win it all in the next year. So what 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 do you think? You're 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 calling the Cowboys lose. So who who do you think goes to the Super Bowl then? What what do you think is the is the outcome of uh, these playoffs? I'm sticking with Chiefs over Eagles. Chiefs over Eagles. Yeah. I okay. Gonna gonna be gonna be an interesting one. I could Bills to beat the Eagles. I'll stick I'll stick with that for a while. Let's see let's see if we end up rolling into Philadelphia and beating them. I'm more scared of San Francisco than I am of, of Philadelphia at the moment. You see. We, you just have to remember, uh, it was earlier this season, about a third of the way through the season, when the Cowboys had disappointed me so badly that I said I wasn't picking them anymore. So uh, we've had a really good season since then. So I can't back off the bit now. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Okay, you've called a you've called a loss, so that actually means uh, it's going to be a win. That's that's good. It's Let's definitely see. Definitely a loss. <laughs> So uh, this is a 1.15 a.m. kickoff on Monday morning, UK time. I can assure you that the Dempsey family will be up at 1 a.m. tuning in with, with, a, with a cup of tea and uh, some, uh, some, some strawberry jam toast. And uh, we'll get in front of the TV and stay up until about 5 a.m. And hopefully there we are in the playoffs. At the, uh, there we are in the next round of the whole thing. That is commitment. Okay, buddy. Well, that's a quick a quick recap of uh, week seventeen and the of week eighteen and the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, hey, let's let's do this all again next week, and and hopefully we are we are talking about our predictions for Cowboys Eagles. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for listening. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts: Google Pods, TuneIn, Spotify. Please like, subscribe, review, or whatever is appropriate on that platform. You can contact us through the website fixitrich.net. On Twitter, at FixItRich for the show, at Travel underscore Cowboy for Gary, at MKD1973 for Mark. And for everybody listening, thanks. We'll see you. And we just wanted to say that it's hilariously inspirational to us. And and I think it's time for a little suck it, Philly. Oh, yeah. No. I thought it chanted. Suck it, Philly. Suck it, Philly.